All right. Welcome to another episode of the Pleasantly Persistent Podcast here with co-host Christine McGill, VP at Rooted Food Sales, and today's special guest, Emily Griffith. Emily, welcome. Where do you live? What you up to? Give yourself an intro and then we can dive in. Yeah, uh, thank you for having me. Big fans mm-hmm. of y'all. Um, so Emily, I'm the founder and CEO of Lil Bucks. We're the buckwheat brand. Basically trying to be the Quaker Oats of buckwheat. But yeah, right now we have a snack line cluster bucks. And uh, also we do super seed toppings made from regenerative buckwheat. Mostly in the breakfast space. Add a lovely crunch to your smoothies, oatmeal, yogurt, rah, rah, rah. Um, and yeah, I founded the business in Chicago. Um, I'm born and raised Midwest, so made sense to start there, the, you know, shared kitchen farmers market hustling kind of launch. And, uh, but yeah, right now I'm living in San Diego because I had to defrost for a little bit. <laughs> so for, for those who don't know, can you give us a quick kind of speak on buckwheat? I believe it's a seed, correct? Yes. That's like the, your fun fact for the day is that buckwheat is actually a fruit seed and not a grain. Um, so, you know, whoever named it buckwheat, it's making my job a little bit harder. Um, but that's probably why no one's done it before <laughs> in the U.S. at least. Um, so buckwheat is a fruit seed, complete amino acid protein, high in prebiotic fiber. Um, some studies say 10 times more antioxidants than quinoa. So it's this really nutrient and it's gluten and grain free. Um, which I guess goes without saying if, you know, it's a fruit seed, but buckwheat is obviously confusing. They, they really shouldn't have named it buckwheat. They yeah, really really made it difficult for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think it comes from, cause I mean, buckwheat's a really popular dish. I mean, it's a national dish in both Russia and the Ukraine. Um, and it's popularly eaten in the form kasha, which is like a cooked porridge. And I'm not a linguistics person and I'm like not also not Eastern European or Russian. So like, I'm not going to even try to like butcher the origin of the name buckwheat. But I think basically it comes from something like buck. There's some sort of like sounding thing that's like buck means it's like a wheat because the use cases for buckwheat are like it's I mean, in the U.S. at least it's commonly eaten like this cooked porridge for those of uh, Russian or Eastern European descent. Um, and then obviously like a lot of people, I mean, my experience of buckwheat growing up was like, not great. It wasn't like, you know, maybe my, my grandma's really dense, uber healthy buckwheat pancakes. So buckwheat's often baked into products here in the U S so that's kind of like a wheat, but it's not. (laughs) So how how big is the team or how small you want to ask that? What is the size of the team? Glass half yeah. full. Our our big team. So right now we have three full time. Um, so basically myself and then uh we have someone, we're doing a lot of like 80% of our business this year will be retail, and that's where mm-hmm. we're seeing a lot of big launches coming up in Q1 as well. So basically her focus, she's our marketing manager. She actually came from Kitch Fix before another Chicago brand, and she was working on their granola product there. Um when they were doing more CPG and her number one focus is velocity. Um, Like she literally, that's the number one metric for us because being, you know, we all know getting into these big retailers, you really only have one chance. So 
doing everything we can there. And then we have someone more on the growth marketing side. So for the digital Amazon side yeah. of things. So talk to me about sales. So are you guys, you and your employee, are you guys selling, getting meetings, hustling? Do you guys use a broker? Like how are you guys getting after it and getting right. placements? Yeah. And I was going to say, this is basically like, like there's our three full-time people, but I would almost consider our fractional sales team. I mean, yeah, totally. a part of the team, I'm talking to them every day and they're like mm-hmm. probably the most crucial hire we've made in the past year. Um, and, you know, they were the ones that helped us secure a couple of divisions of Kroger, AGB, mm-hmm. you know, some classic natural accounts, doing the paperwork. <laughs> yeah. I would die if I had to do that. Um so yeah, they've been, that's what we use. It's kind of like a boutique brokerage slash fractional sales agency. So again, you're getting that like really high level experience um, and connections, but you know, yeah. we're not quite there where it makes sense to have like 150K totally. salary. Right, like <laughs> third party can be so painful and disappointing. And and right, that's what we do. And like, but it can be so clutch. To have that like like early stage like amazing partner, uh, yeah, totally. Yeah, they've definitely, and it's great to have. That's kind of the group we're working with helped get Aura Bora off the ground. That's a brand mm-hmm. I definitely admire uh, more in the beverage space, of course, obviously. But um, they have experience taking something from you know ten doors to thirty five hundred yeah. doors, and then yeah. obviously you go on to the bigger leagues. Um, but it's a good yeah. it's a good fit for our size right now. Did you initially when you when you guys were first getting started, did you do a lot of selling yourself or how did that look for you like as you were first getting out there and getting your name recognized? Right. I mean, we don't have like the traditional like, oh, I went out and raised money and started this company. Like it all has been very learned by doing. I started this business when I was 25 making in the shared kitchen, selling it at farmer's markets, fitness festivals. So it was a very like on the ground hustle. So like my blood, sweat, tears, all hours of the day, just put into this business. So those first couple years, and this was before the pandemic hit, was really me. Um, And then right as the pandemic was hitting was when I got the attention of Whole Foods Midwest. Um, And that was kind of where we're like, okay, we're entering into the quote unquote big leagues, um, which of course is just like the tidiest piece of a this pie in the retail world. Um, and yeah, I'll always be a representative of the brand and especially with our fractional sales team doing a lot of the um, more traditional retail accounts. I spend a lot more time, you know, like knocking on sweet green store and like a lot of the alt channels, airlines, hotels, like we just got some single serves of our cluster buck snacks. So and I've been traveling a lot lately and those literally keep me alive. So trying yeah, to get cool. it in those more alt channels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So tell us about your venture into food service. Like what have you found the difference challenging and, and positive food service versus retail and yeah. How goes the selling process in the food service versus retail as well? Right. Yeah. I think there's, um, for us, there's a couple things in food service, I guess there's the single serve 
snack, which is perfect for coffee shops, gyms, hotels, airlines, et cetera. And we just got those in September. So it's so exciting. I think that we're Mm -hmm. seeing like a lot. It's kind of an easier, not easier is the wrong word. Nothing's easy in this industry, but the process is a little similar to retail versus before we had these single serves when we were going into looking at food service. And I'm really excited about food service because it's a less expensive channel once you get it up and running. Um, But I was trying to sell in the ingredient and we are getting a lot more traction now that everything's regenerative. All of our buckwheat is regenerative, organic certified. It's sprouted and dehydrated. So it's like a ready to eat crunchy topping. We're pitching it to things like sweet green and, you know, salad places as a salad topping life kitchen in Chicago uses it as a salad topping. And then also like smoothie bowl places where they use it as a crunchy superfood topping, like a chia or hemp seed. But Mm -hmm. the cell cycle for that is so long because you have to get it in with the chefs and they have to R&D with it. And then it has to like go through menu development and like a menu rollout is like a whole thing. And I don't understand all this, but I like that's just what I have gathered. And so it's just a long road. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Especially like a back of house item. Yeah. When your product's being used as an ingredient, it takes a while, right? Because it's like, yeah, they're looking like a couple, depending the size of, of the chain, but they're looking a couple few seasons out, a couple few menus mm-hmm. ahead. And it, yeah, they're testing it internally. So it's, it's a longer sales process, but yeah, it's clean, clean business. And then the package is like a shorter sales process. Um, but yeah, that's awesome. That's almost most ideal when you can attack both front of house and back of house, which you're, going to be or what you are able to do so you're you're attacking sweet green do you have any other like top i don't know top food service account it's like oh man i would die if my product got in there it'd be so oh my gosh i mean definitely (laughs) i mean sweet green like my heart will soar and you know it's just so aligned from the sustainable sustainability perspective um kava as well kind of similar to sweet green um in the salad department and then I mean, of course, there's like a long list of like some smaller groups like that that are doing salads, um, salad type healthy food, bowls, et cetera. And then on the smoothie bowl side, that's where I got the idea for this business was literally enjoying sprouted buckwheat on an acai bowl in Australia. They put mm-hmm. the buckwheat on the bowl instead of granola. So that's literally mm-hmm. like why this whole thing is here. So, so I it's sometimes I mean, and there's a lot of like amazing little mom and pop or like small chain juice shops that are using our buckwheat um and you know love them to death but getting those big ones like a press juicery or juice press something i mean jamba but they don't know you know that's that's, yeah (laughs) that would be a a, a press juicery would be i feel like a beautiful fit yes i am definitely keen on that i always knock in their door i see them at every trade show and i'm like is it time yet guys come on (laughs) That's so fun. So Emily, you are, you are a solo founder. So do you have mentors? Like if you're going crazy and you need someone to vent with, or you have an idea, like, do you have a, a solid group of people as a solo founder? Like, do you feel like you have the support or what? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, I don't know. I think I say once a day this past month, like being a solo founder is not a good idea. 
<laughs> um, but you know, teach their own. There's things, there's challenges that come with both. Like I know people that have co-founders and they literally like have gone to court or like done co-founder therapy. Like it's a lot of work to also share this vision and equity with someone else. Um, so I think in the early days, sometimes it's really nice because like you can just plow ahead with your vision, um, which is what I did, but it is really hard. Like right now as a small team, like I'm still the COO, CEO, CFO, CMO, like you're still overseeing and you have your hands in everything. And it all comes back to one person at the end of the day, um, which can be a lot. So even in those early days, I remember in Chicago, we, before the pandemic, we started this group called the female food founders. And there's, there's, cause there's all these solo female food founders and we were all going crazy. And once we had that community, um, to just even like vet and it's, it's like these friendships you make are so unique. Cause you can oscillate between like talking about like boys and babies or whatever. And like the white Lotus to like, Oh my God, like my supply chain and like cash flow and, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like all one in the same. So I mean, you- having those friendships has been like to this day, still incredibly mm-hmm. Have you read that book? I'm going to try to think of the title of it. I think it's The Future of Food is Female. Um, Actually, I've not read it, by, but I think I'm living I think, it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I don't remember the woman's name. I, it's Jennifer something. I, um, I believe it's The Future of Food is Female, Reinventing the Food System to Save Our Planet. Ooh. Uh, I follow well, her on LinkedIn. Yeah, it, it seems like something that would be kind of in your up your alley. Um, she's really interesting on LinkedIn as well. Very active about female founders and you know that females will save the food system so no pressure no I that's so up my alley I'm gonna be on a beach vacay soon too so I need a read to get jazzed about of all the things that you have going on right now what is what is your biggest challenge that you're facing I think the biggest challenge we're facing is a challenge that I feel like every entrepreneur in this industry, big or small is facing. And that's just cash constraints. Like if you're still here, you've made it through the pandemic, you've made it through whatever the hell has been going on this past year. <laughs> like, and you're growing, that's awesome. But there's inevitably cash restraints. So like this year we had um, challenges with like a manufacturing run being really drawn out due to a packaging issue. And still like catching up from the cash challenges from that. So we've been able to figure it out, but it's obviously really stressful. And then getting some big accounts for Q1 is really exciting. So just like allocating resources and time. Yeah. It's like, just, you know, the name of the game. You have three pretty big launches coming up. Is that what you would have top of your list for the most exciting things? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, actually, so three just hit. So we just had King Supers, Fred Meyer, and um, HEB just launched with our cluster bucks. So those pretty interesting because it's like high-end conventional. And we're not in all the stores for those. So kind of in more urban areas, but still it's like a big learning experience for us to market our products in that kind of channel versus a Whole Foods or an Air One. Um, and then yeah, in Q1, we have, or actually we just launched on Thrive Market yesterday. And then- That's fun. I will look for you there. I love, love Thrive. I feel like that's a really, really incredible, yeah, incredible fit for you guys. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And obviously I've been knocking on their door for since day one. And it was amazing because they finally came to me and we're like, okay, we're seeing enough searches on Buckley. And we think like the time has come, we are ready and we believe this will be successful. It's, and they took both product lines. That, that's the fascinating thing about them that are like, especially those like e-commerce sites is that they can track the searches. Right. And, and so unique that they can kind of see that building of like what people are looking for to translate then that they want to buy, which like you can't really, you certainly retail stores can track, I guess, how people ask for things, but you know, that's really not going to make it up as far as like data where oh, yeah. the e-commerce sites like a thrive and people are searching for it. They are going to start to see what people look for. I should search yeah. every day for the things I want on there. <laughs> they don't that's, have yet. It's a good reminder. I'm like, I'm just gonna every day I'm gonna type it in. They're like, this lady really, so really wants this item. <laughs> exactly. That's how you you write your own destiny that way. <laughs> sure. Um, all right. Final two questions for you. Your next hire, uh, whenever that is, will be what position or role? Operations. <laughs> all right. Done. And then, last but not least. Brand crush. What non-alcoholic beverage do you buy the most of? And who's yeah, who's your brand? Oh that fun. and who's your brand crush? Oh my gosh. So wait, what's my favorite? Does the brand crush have to be a beverage? No, two separate. What non-alcoholic oh beverage do you buy the most of? Start there. Okay, gosh, this is break it down. Let us know what's going on in your head. Who's it? Who's I know. It, who's I'm so, the race between? Obviously, I'm such a fan of so many beverages. I buy a lot of Olipop because it makes me feel really good. And love them. Uh, ginger lemon. But also, mm. yeah, mm. it makes me just, like, feels good in my gut. Oh, <laughs> so I'm not traditional. Like, I don't do the... Because growing up, I didn't even like, like, soda. I do like the orange, though. So now I'm, like, Olipops. I'm, like, finally yeah. living... Like, in the grape, the grape soda. Oh, no, 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 Emily, you've lost me. <laughs> oh, yeah, so I'm like on the other end. Everyone's like the traditional ones. I'm like, no. Um, so. And then non-beverage, who's your brand crush? Who you either look up to as a, a founder or you're just like obsessed with and always ends up in your grocery cart? Oh my gosh. Um, this is a good one too, because we obviously are constantly creeping on other brands that we love. Um, I would say uh diaspora the spice company oh yeah you should check them out they're mostly d to c but they're massive and so they basically created this single origin um like super ethical like high equity for the farmers spice thing they're trying to like disrupt the spice trade in india pretty 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 website and it's pretty i like color their founder is a badass um sorry i don't know if i'm allowed to say that but um and their products we used to use their turmeric in um one of our golden chai flavor and Uh literally we we weren't able to do it anymore because of organic certification bs and then also just volume but when we were using their turmeric, the diaspora turmeric, we would use half of what we would normally use from like a really nice organic, yeah. like single origin Indonesian turmeric. It's just like their stuff is Ooh. actually oh, I'm, I'm, game changer. I have it up on my other screen now mm-hmm. and I yeah. my shopping cart could get full very quickly. They have a lot of really, really neat things. And I'm so glad you mentioned it because I feel like I still have time to Christmas gift somebody some of no, this. No, it's actually such a good gift. I get it. It's like my go-to for like, especially like someone like moves or new house or yeah. I don't know. It's, it's like just... a great 
like stock your pantry thing. I love this. Thank you for mentioning. Um, yes. Um, all right, cool. We're, we're wrapped. Where can people find you? Just store locator. You mentioned thrive. Uh, yeah. Give, give a plug for yourself. Yes. I mean, definitely check out lilbucks.com. Uh, that's where all the happenings are and you can try across all the product lines there. Sometimes we do like direct to consumer only launches, like our everything bagel seasoning as well. Um, and then there's a store locator. So you'll see we're mostly, you know, the Midwest Chicago land is like definitely where we have the biggest footprint. And then SoCal, Pac Northwest, Colorado, and Texas. Um, other than that, we just launched in Kings on the East Coast. So we're 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 coming. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, thank you for joining us. Enjoyable conversation. Uh thank you very much. Yeah, thank you guys for having me.